You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. The reigning American League Division champions head into 2020 with their sights set on bigger things. This is the show that keeps you plugged into that pursuit with all the news, moves, and more. It's the Twins Hot Stove Show, presented by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. And here's your host of the Hot Stove Show, Chris Atterbury. It is indeed Chris Atterbury welcoming you to another edition of the Twins Hot Stove Show from our network headquarters here at Target Field. Glad to have you with us across our network via Facebook Live. And, of course, all of you who podcast us wherever you get your Twins podcast. You'll have a couple of weeks to enjoy this one because we will be off next week for Christmas and the Christmas holiday. We will be back with you on New Year's Day. General Manager Thad Levine will be with us here today, and Thad's going to talk about a lot of what's going on uh, with the Minnesota Twins and also has agreed to play a game with us today of Who Hangs Up First, where we uh, throw out some hypothetical trade scenarios and uh, kind of crawl inside the brain of a general manager as to how those might be received. Before we get to Thad, though, let's quickly get to our news and notes. It's our weekly baseball bulletin. Oh, love that sound. The baseball bulletin this week full of uh, pitchers in uh, new locales. Coy Kluber uh, will no longer be a Cleveland Indian. One of the game's best moves on to the Texas Rangers. We'll talk with Thad Levine about that particular transaction and how it impacts the Twins. Also, Madison Bumgarner signs with the Arizona Diamondbacks. We'll talk about how that impacts the Twins and what they're looking forward to and where they're going as far as their search for starting pitching and search to bolster their club here in the offseason. Other news pitcher-related, Taylor Rogers had a birthday yesterday, as did, of course, his twin brother Tyler. You can do what I did. Go to the Rogers Family Foundation online and donate uh, in honor of Taylor's birthday. So happy birthday to Taylor Rogers. Uh, and also not great news as far as, again, the discord between minor league baseball and Major League Baseball, a spat that went public last week uh, with some very stern words from the commissioner. Uh, And that is a situation that we hate bringing up every week, but is one that's not going to go away quietly and one that uh, you need to keep an eye on. Better news, Twins Winter Caravan schedule has been announced. It's presented by Case IH. Twins Winter Caravan will be all consolidated within the same week this year. Two-day caravans, January 20th and 21st, are going to hit Thief River Falls, Fargo, Brainerd, and Duluth, along with Minneapolis, St. Cloud, Glencoe, and St. Paul. Then on the 22nd and the 23rd, caravans in Worthington, Sioux Falls, New Ulm, Mankato, Hastings, Rochester, Winona, and Welch, Minnesota. And we encourage you to uh, check out that information, see if you can't make it out, and join the likes of uh, Dick Bremer, Jack Morris, uh, Dan Gladden, myself, Tony Oliva, Brent Rooker, Ari Adrianza, Rocco Baldelli, Wes Johnson, Trevor Larnick, Lewis Thorpe, Louisa Rice, Jake Cave, Court Provis, Alex Kirilov, and Burt Blylevin all scheduled to appear one of my favorite times of year. The Twins Winter Caravan is presented by Case IH. So that is our baseball bulletin. Before we get to Thad Levine, of course, we have some Killaboo Root Beer to award. Our question in last week's What's Brewing competition was, who will occupy that fifth starting rotation spot? Well, we had a lot of people who said Madison Bumgarner. That is not going to happen anymore. Nobody said Corey Kluber. 
Alex Wolski was the one who chimed in with bruised our Gratterall. His tweet was something along the lines of, let's quit worrying about other people and trying to lure them here. This guy has a great strikeout celebration, great mound presence, and great stuff. Bruised our Gratterall put him in that starting rotation. So for that, Alex will enjoy toasting his holiday with some Killebrew Root Beer and a Killebrew Root Beer prize pack. Now you've got two weeks to win this next edition of our What's Brewing competition, and it's a fairly simple one. We're inviting you to share with us via Twitter your favorite holiday celebrations, whether it's Hanukkah, whether it's Christmas, whether it's New Year's, your favorite holiday traditions, and also maybe if they involve baseball in some way, shape, or form. This can go back to when you were a kid. Memories, it can be things you do with your family. Now, your favorite holiday traditions, preferably baseball-related, we'd love to hear about them. Again, it's at Twins Radio, hashtag Twins Radio. Explain it, and the uh, most interesting one will receive a Killebrew prize pack when we reconvene on January 1st. So we look forward to all of that coming our way via Twitter. Again, it's the What's Brewing competition brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. Hashtag Twins Radio and at Twins Radio is the Twitter handle. So with the news in the rearview mirror, let's look forward. Thad Levine is in studio and we'll have plenty with the Twins general manager as we continue on the Twins Hot Stove Show next right here on your home for Twins Baseball. Welcome to the Twins Hot Stove Show. Uh, again, uh, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. How memories are created and legends are made and uh, as promised Nat Levine is in studio with us here he's got his jacket on because a little chilly in this part of the building this time of year and we are in dire need of a hot stove and that it has been a busy couple of weeks since last we spoke we did check in with Derek from San Diego and the winter meetings uh, Scott Boris was the story at the winter meetings there were some big deals signed even since last week the Kluber trade to Texas uh, and also the signing of Madison Bumgarner uh, with Arizona so there's a lot of things going on Let's start with the the plan going to the offseason. Obviously, you and Derek were not shy about saying we're looking for impactful starting pitching. Mm-hmm. And you've got Jake back. Uh, Michael Pineda is back. There's some good young arms in the system. But in terms of the name brand impactful starting mm-hmm. pitching, that has been hard to come by for a variety of reasons. Where Where are you now looking and where do you guys stand in terms of your plans? You've been very upfront that you have to have not only a plan A, but a B, C, D, E, F, and G where is that search right now? So, I, you know, I, I think we could live kind of in a space where we're constantly concerned about amending messages that we send to the fans. And I would just say this, like the plans do change. The plans have to evolve based upon what the offseason offers to you. We, our best laid plans are almost never followed A to Z. Like it just doesn't work out that way. We're constantly trying to create an, the next thing to get excited about, the next impact player to acquire. So at the outset of the offseason, I think the most clear need on this team was to address our starting pitching. We had four guys going to free agency. It was just clear cut. We needed to address the pitching. We talked about impact starting pitching. I, I think if I had to go back in the way back machine, um, I would probably say we wanted to add impact players. We wanted to try to improve on what we felt was a great 2019 campaign. And when I say that, I don't necessarily mean putting us in a position to win more than 101 games. Winning 100 games is quite an accomplishment for a franchise. I'm not sure we're going to build off that, but we could build on the strength of the team. And so as we sit here, you know, about halfway through the offseason with much more activity than we saw this time last year by this point, a lot of those pitchers have gone off the board. We, we, we had a lot of conversations about some of those guys. Uh, the right deal has not been there for us to strike. 
So I think as we sit here now, we're still as committed as we were on that day to adding to the talent of our 2019 club as we enter 2020. Not so sure where it's going to come from. There's a lot of ways to impact this club. Uh, we could do it in the pen. We could do it in the position player unit, although that's the bar's a little bit higher there. And there's still a lot of pitchers out there. And we may be turning our attention a little bit more to the trade markets as well at this time. And worth remembering, you know, that's how Jake Odorizzi came to be a Minnesota Twin, was through a later trade at that point. And because there has been more movement early, I would think the trade market would open up a little earlier. We saw it with the Kluber deal. Uh, first of all, were you surprised at the deal that your old boss was able to pull off to get one of the game's most respected starting pitchers to Texas for what on the surface seems a relatively low return? You know, I think I think we all are baseball fans at heart, and baseball fans are want to dissect deals from both sides and give it grades and judge and rank and those sorts of things. None of us truly know all the information that was involved in that transaction. So I'm quite certain the Cleveland Indians are an exceptionally intelligent group of people. Those are too smart for yes, officers yes. right there. I think they felt they got a good deal. I'm quite certain the Texas Rangers felt they got a good deal. I'd be most inclined to just defer to their judgment on this. Uh, that being said, you know, Corey Kluber has been one of the best pitchers in the game, certainly one of the best pitchers in the American League Central recently. Uh, no love lost for us not having to face him with the frequency that we've had to face him for the last couple of years. So I think getting him out of our division is certainly a boon for our team. That being said, to go to the Texas Rangers, another team who will be fighting for playoff contention this year is, is a real factor. And now the Texas Rangers have really, in a short order, built a very formidable starting rotation. They've always been an offensive powerhouse. They're opening a new stadium this year. They're walking in the door with five really proven quality pitchers to, to, to go with what is a burgeoning offensive club, it, they just got a lot more formidable. So Corey Kluber leaves our division. I think we view that as a positive for us. He stays in our league. Our preference would have been to have <laughs> him go pitch in South Korea or Japan, <laughs> uh, such as it is. He's staying in the American League, so we're going to still have to do battle with him, just not quite as frequently as we had been when he had been playing for Cleveland. Just side note, you mentioned Texas with those starting pitchers. Also, a key addition to their staff, air conditioning. Because with that new ballpark, this uh, historic idea of the, the wilt of the, the heat, and you lived it firsthand, that goes out the window now. It's transformational for that franchise, quite frankly. I, I think for anybody who had been to that stadium, the stadium itself didn't need an, an upgrade. It was a beautiful stadium, and I think fans loved it as it, was, as it was erected and constituted. I think what they needed was the roof. They needed the roof for the exact opposite reason that we need the roof. And it just happens, you know, on our shoulder months, we have challenges with the coldness. Uh, they have it through the entirety of, of the body of the, of the season. And such so much so that they had an exemption with Major League Baseball that they weren't required to play day games. There's some rules that dictate when you need to play day games relative to getaway days and when teams have off days moving forward. The Texas Rangers had exemptions from Memorial Day to Labor Day with regards to that because the, the temperatures were just so oppressive during the, the, the day. It impacted how you played the game. It impacted how you built your roster. They're going to be able to play on more of a level playing field. I think that will be a tremendous boon for that franchise. Let's go away from folks who aren't coming to the Minnesota Twins for the time being and talk about ways this club has gotten better, maybe a little less sexy than going out and spending $400 million uh, dollars, uh, but the addition of Mike Bell as the bench coach for Rocco Baldelli, certainly he is a member of one of the first families of this game. He is steeped in experience. Um, I am guessing before you even start to describe your personal experiences with him that the the, the SoundCloud of collaboration and curiosity, those things are all going to be in right. play because that's now 
that's the bare minimum for somebody who's going to be brought into this organization. But what about Mike Bell getting back in a uniform made for such a perfect marriage here? Well, so, so many positive things to say here. First of all, you know, we, we lost Derek Shelton for a much-deserved opportunity with the Pittsburgh Pirates. We weren't aspirational of filling his shoes, per se. He was such a unique contributor to the leadership of our team. That being said, we may have found one of the few guys in the market who have the ability to do the best he can to fill some of the things that Derek was delivering to us. I think in Mike Bell, we feel, in short, we have what we had with Derek, which is we may have two managers in the clubhouse. I think I think Rocco is desirous of having a partnership, a bona fide partnership, no different than Derek and I have in the front office. He's going to have that in the clubhouse. Mike Bell has been a guy over the last two years who's interviewed for a lot of managerial positions. He's gotten a lot of consideration to, to run a club. He's now going to be a given a chance to be a major contributor for us as a partner to Rocco Baldelli. So the things that really stand out to you about Mike are actually very similar to the things that stood out to us about Rocco. Very level-headed, very even-keeled. He's played professional baseball. He's faced a lot of adversity in, in his minor league track to get to the major leagues. He's learned from some of the best. You know, I, I got a chance to work with his father, Buddy Bell, when I was in Colorado. Buddy was one of the first mentors I've ever had in my career. He, he had no reason to take a young person under his wing like he took me under his wing, and I cherish the relationship, and I am forever in his debt. I think, I think Mike got a chance to learn from him. His brothers, Ricky and David, both played minor league baseball. David obviously had a little bit more of a storied major league career. David's now the manager of the Cincinnati Reds. I think this has been a family just steeped in baseball tradition and intelligence, but what Mike really, where he stands out is on the relationship side. Uh, the endorsements we got for him while he was in the interview process, the accommodations we had for him once we, once we hired him, I've been bar none. I've never seen anything like this in my career. The people who came out of the woodwork, quite frankly, people I don't even have a relationship with, who just sounded off that we just hired one of the best guys in the game. I think anytime you can bring somebody into your organization who has the relationship skills that Mike Bell has, you seize those opportunities. You add on the baseball intelligence and acumen and perseverance that he's had throughout his career, and I think this is going to be a tremendous, tremendous asset for the Minnesota Twins. Thad Levine, Twins general manager, is our guest on the Twins Hot Stove Show. On that note, I'm, I'm sparked back to when Ramon Varela was promoted to become the hitting coach, and something Jeremy Zoll told me, he said that he's a guy who could impact a club and a clubhouse and an organization in so many different ways. It just so happens that his title will be hitting coach. Right. That, to me, seems like what Mike Bell is as well, a bit of a Swiss Army knife. If you had hired him to be an assistant GM, if you would to be a director of player development, baseball ops, the hitting coach, I feel like he could have filled literally any of those roles. He, he's going to be an impact person regardless. And, and exactly, your interpretation, I think, is very sound. He had been the longtime uh, director of minor league operations for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Keep in mind, uh, they went through about four or five general managers in his tenure while he was there. (laughs) And he was one of the few guys who not only stayed, but he stayed in a leadership position. And the diversity of approach that they had from those different men who led their organization were vast. He was the one guy who stayed in a leadership position throughout all that. He learned from all those guys. When you talk to him in an interview, he accounts all the things in a, that he, he ascribes the learnings to each of those individuals in a very positive light. So I think those are things that are, are monumentally uh, 
valuable to him as he's taking on this next opportunity. But I, I think he, he could have been a conciliary to, to Derek and myself upstairs. He could be for Rocco. I think this guy is just going to be such such a – he's going to weave into the fabric of the leadership of this organization. Similar to what you just referenced with Edgar Varela, I, I just feel what Rocco has done so expertly is he's kind of dispensed with the notion of, this is exactly what a first base infield coach does. This is exactly what a third base outfield coach does, a hitting coach, pitching coach, and so on. But rather, this is the old, the whole organism of what a coaching staff needs to deliver. And we're going to, you know, we're going to have you cross pollinate and, and contribute across departments. And I think what Mike does is Mike can step in and really help in so many different areas. Edgar Varela, likewise, Edgar, Edgar Varela comes from a position where he's overseen all of our instruction in the minor leagues. He's now going to apply it singularly to hitting, but he's also going to expand into other areas and help out in the infield instruction, the outfield instruction, the base running instruction. Mike Bell's running an entire farm system. He's going to be able to help us across all platforms. Having so many multi-skilled people in this space, I think, makes our staff that much stronger as a whole. Yeah, and my apologies to Edgar. I called him Ramon. I had my Borregos and my Varellos <laughs> uh, interchange there. Uh, two very good human beings and very talented people, uh, but it is Ramon Borrega and Edgar Varela, so i got to make sure I get those names uh, correct. You've also added a new uh, minor league hitting coordinator. Uh, reports are out that uh, you have lured him away from the beaches of Santa Barbara. If you want to trade me to Santa Barbara for him, I'm good with that. Uh, not easy to lure somebody out of that. I go back to the old, that's a little Bill Guyvet country back in the day. I think a guy you crossed paths with for uh, probably in the Dodgers the, the, fir- the first yeah. text I got when once we hired, and his name is Donegal Fergus. That is a first-class name, by First the way. class. Uh, and he, uh, Bill Guyvet, longtime assistant general manager in the game of baseball for a variety of different clubs, went to UCSB, and, and he told us, he sent us this glowing. He was He's kind of the godfather of the baseball program in many ways. Yes. Yeah, yeah he put it on, its, on the yeah. map, and their head coach sent Bill a note that he passed along to me just raving about Donegal's skills and saying that this guy may be the next Mike Bell or the next Rocco Baldelli down, down the road, that his skills will transcend hitting, which I think is just great. So I just want to take a half step back. I think that when we hired Jeremy Zoll, I think we, we saw a passion. We saw a baseball intelligence that really transcended his age. I think where he's made such a huge impact is just the quality of people he's brought in. And he's really opened our mind to looking into the collegiate space for some of the best and brightest minds in the game. And I think Donegal is just the next in this long line of people who've joined our organization who probably five, ten years ago, major league teams weren't looking to the NCAA space as directly as we are today. Almost antagonistic for a long time. I think we had a very myopic view that if you didn't work in baseball, you didn't, in professional baseball, you didn't get professional baseball. And how short-sighted was that? And I think one thing that, you know, people like Daniel Adler and Jeremy Zoll have done so well for us is really tap into people in other successful walks of life, whether that be conventional business backgrounds, the collegiate space, the international space. And, And this franchise has just vaulted forward as a result of that. Donegal. That is a big time. That's like out of a novel. I I think his siblings are equally as Scottish or Irish named, and it's just glorious. We're going to have to get some backstories. (laughs) It's like Highlander. Yes. It's like if we were casting Highlander. Maybe wearing a kilt. What about uh, your assistant pitching coach role? How is that, that, that process going? I know you undoubtedly have heard from... A, a whole myriad of incredibly qualified and intelligent people. Are you still wading through all of those uh, those names to try to figure out the right fit? Well, I think this gets back to the point I was making earlier about how Rocco views the staff as this one living organism. 
So he's not just looking at a guy who can do very, very hyper-specific things to support Wes Johnson in his endeavors, but rather somebody who complements the staff and fills in in a variety of different ways. So I think from a sequencing standpoint, it was important for us to get our bench coach locked in first, know what skills that person brought to the table, and now we, I think, have a very clear understanding of what we want out of the or what specifically Rocco and West want out of the assistant pitching coach now that we have that clarified I think we're going to move relatively in a timely fashion we've got some great internal candidates for these positions and uh, behind the scenes at this time we're talking to a lot of those guys to really find who would be the best fit uh, at the major league level right now we're talking with that Levine now we're speaking to him on a Wednesday High likelihood, Thad, that before the end of the week, while some people are still podcasting this into their holiday weekend, maybe listening to it during their holiday travels, there may be some additions. Uh, we can't get too specific, uh, but you guys have been active, and there is the possibility that there are going to be some news released over the next couple of days. Right. We, we talked about it earlier, that there are a variety of different ways to, to improve this team, and I know the industry, the fans, maybe even us at the outset of the offseason, we're so focused on the starting rotation. We did we did stabilize that. I think by bringing Odorizzi and Pineda back, I think we feel very good about where that staff is now. Uh, there may be opportunities to impact this team in other places. Uh, maybe, dare I say, the bullpen uh, in the not-so-distant future. I think we, we really like what our staff did. Uh, first half of the season, I think there was a lot of cutting of teeth in the bullpen. I think second half of the season, we really emerged as one of the more formidable bullpens in the league. Uh, I think we want to build off of that. I think we saw the impact. Uh, you know, Ideally, it would have worked out a little bit better with Sam Dyson, but I think we saw the impact of the experience that both he and, and Sergio Romo brought to that group and I think really elevated them. So I think we're going to be specific in trying to target a veteran or two to add to this young group of really exciting arms that we have up there. Some guys who really established themselves last year, a f- another group that is right behind them who are desirous of establishing themselves this year. I think with a little veteran leadership, that, that group could be a real asset for us. And that's one way to do it also if you don't have necessarily the glitz at the front end of a rotation. You can work backwards from the bullpen with more and more arms. As you're putting those those people in place and constructing a bullpen, the three batter minimum, uh, how does that impact the way you're looking? Are, are one-dimensional pitchers uh, kind of be put in a little different pile right now because by necessity you're going to need somebody who can get out lefties and righties alike? You know, I, I, I'm of the personal belief that I'm not sure how much that's going to change the strategy of teams or certainly the Minnesota Twins as much as people may think it is. Th- this is an, uh, maybe an unfortunate reality of the game, but in the last five or six years, we've seen a little bit of a dip in that traditional left-handed specialist, the guy who was designed to come in, just face Max Kepler, and then get the heck out of there before you face, have to face Nelson Cruz and Miguel Sano. Teams aren't carrying those guys quite as frequently through the body of the season. Where we see those guys emerge is more in September when the rosters were expanding and you can afford to carry a guy who may be really literally giving you one out in a clip, two outs maybe at the most, but rarely three to three to six. Most teams like ourselves have been building out these staffs now in the pen where guys really almost at the bare minimum can give you three, sometimes six, sometimes nine outs. Uh, so I think there's been a little bit of a movement away from those you know, hard in lines as specialists and more to these guys who are capable of doing a little bit more of a dynamic contribution on a, on a regular basis. I don't think it's going to impact us greatly, but we, we certainly think, you know, first, first year we'll see how it goes. You still have the buffer that when the inning ends, you don't have to send the guy back out. But I think we're going to be very aware of this. You know, when Rocco's building out his lineup, I mean, the example I just gave, uh, let's say it's two outs, a man on second and third, 
Max Kepler's coming to the plate. You bring in your left-handed specialist with the thought that he can get Max Kepler out and then he doesn't have to face anyone else. What happens if he walks Max Kepler? That's what happens if Max Kepler right shoots a gap right there? Nelson, the guy has to stay in to face Nelson Cruz. Maybe he has to stay in to face Miguel Sano or Eddie Rosario or something like that. All of a sudden, the, the advantage flips very demonstratively to us. That's one of the beauties of our lineup is that it's so versatile, and I think it's so left, right, left, right, that it's going to be very tough for pitcher, uh, other teams strategically, I think, to get cute with that, and they really are going to have to view three batters at a clip, and they may that may eliminate some of the weapons they have in the pen. On that note, your bullpen last year, highly effective, also highly right-handed, which wasn't unusual. I, I think the Astros didn't even have a lefty right. for, for quite a while. Is that something where you just want guys you can get out, so you don't care what hand they use to, to get the ball to the plate, or would you actively be looking for a left-hander to add to, obviously, the, one of the best relievers in the game in Taylor Rogers? I, I, think, I think it speaks to the sophistication in which we're evaluating pitchers today. Uh, the reality is just because you're left-handed doesn't mean you're hyper-effective against left-handed hitters and, and vice versa, righties on righties. Uh, Tyler Duffy's a perfect example. He actually was our borderline left-handed specialist. His pitch mix, the, the fastball up in the zone and the, and the curveball below the zone, was, was extremely effective against lefties. So I think we've gotten to a point now where we're evaluating some of our righties are actually at what we used to view as left-handed specialists. So we'll, we'll continue to build out our pen. Yeah, right-handed change-up guys, right? We've seen that. Where, or split guys. Yeah, split guys. guys. Yeah, yeah the, the split finger is very effective, and the change-up is very effective against the opposite-handed hitter. So I think we'll be very aware of that. We're not going to just have righties who are more prone to getting righties out, but we won't necessarily just get lefties for the sake of lefties. We may end up having a few righties who just happen to be very gifted at getting left-handed hitters out. Thad Levine, lots of gifts, and he's given us one here today with a lot of his time on this Twins Hot Stove Show. Now, we have one more segment with Thad, and Thad, you get blasted about trades all the time, whether it's serious conversation when your phone rings and it's a fellow general manager, whether it's a fan. I would imagine when you're at the grocery store, you ever get that? People stop you, ask you when you're going to trade for somebody? And and sometimes, I'll I'll be honest, they use colorful language. (laughs) Green, green, red, purple? Yes, exactly. (laughs) And and I I don't take it any time too personally. I understand that we're going to be critiqued in any deal we make. We're going to have fun with some hypothetical trades and just kind of get inside the way uh, in a fun fashion that that you and other folks uh, in your role actually do that when we return. One final segment, it's the Twins Hot Stove Show on your home for Twins Baseball. It's the final segment of the Twins Hot Stove Show. It's our final pre-Christmas show. We will be back with you on New Year's Day. So you can uh, join us here for the Twins Hot Stove Show on New Year's Day, a Dick Clark edition uh, of, uh, of, I guess that would be more New Year's Eve, of the Twins Hot Stove Show brought to you by Killer Brew Root Beer. Uh, and we do wish everybody a, a great holiday. What's what's your family's holiday look like? Is there a traditional holiday season in the uh, in your household growing Yeah, so up? we usually go see my parents for Thanksgiving and see my wife's parents for Christmas. We've been uh, still in the spirit of having home games for Christmas so that Santa can more easily find our home uh, rather than forcing him to go on the road and try to track us down on the road. So we, we've always stayed home for Christmas while we've had kids. Now, did you as a kid have a specific family traditions or anything that really sticks in your head or one particular? Did you have that that one Red Rider BB gun Christmas moment? We were, we were a big uh, board game family, and we'd always get a new board game and typically play it on New Year's Eve. I mean, I'm sorry, Christmas Eve as a family. And then I remember I was a little bit more of a sleeper than my sister was. <laughs> she was more inclined to wake me up in the morning, and, and we'd hustle downstairs. But it was, it was a really great family time. And I grew up in a blessed uh, neighborhood where there was a lot of uh, people who we cared about. And so there was traditions that went on that day, uh, luncheons and Almost dinners like at different house people's house. Yes, it was kind of like a progressive dinner throughout the whole course of the day. Top three Christmas board games for you. 
Uh, we were so this is obviously dating ourselves a little bit, but uh, you know, distinctly remember the first year we got Clue was a mm. big one. Uh, I remember my sister uh, dominating that one. Uh, she, very intelligent. Uh, but we were big Clue, Monopoly, and then a lot of card games. We played a lot of card games. What was uh, your card game of choice? Uh, we played a, a game called Michigan. Which, Michigan? Uh, yeah. yeah. I could explain it. Uh, no, that, that's a whole other show, have, I think. Yeah, exactly. It's a whole other show. All yeah. right. Well, we promised some trade fun, so let's have fun with this. Now, here's what we did. We took a bunch of names of, of Twins prospects and players and arbitrarily threw them in an envelope. All right. These are talented people that we hope and expect to see wearing twins uniforms either now or or in the future. Then in the other envelope, you've got a bunch of names of incredibly talented baseball players who wear other uniforms. And the game is called Who Hangs Up First? (laughs) All right. So assuming that the call is made, we're going to reach in Mm. randomly. And again, we are just having fun with this. These are not real trade proposals that is not making these phone calls. So uh, I'll start and reach into my envelope here. Uh, and you tell me who would hang up first. I have got a package. Oof. I think you might be hanging up fast. My Mine says Royce Lewis and Trevor Larnick. Ooh. Yeah. And uh, interestingly, mine says Josh Hader. Okay. Uh, so a uh, little background on Josh Hader. Obviously, for the fans who don't know, uh, Milwaukee Brewers left-handed reliever, one of the most dominant relievers in the game, bona fide weapon. They've used him extensively over the last couple of years in multiple inning stints. That what you referenced earlier about building from the back front, uh, they've been a team that has done that. He's he's this type of guy that bona fide shortens the game. He de-emphasizes your need to have a stud starting pitcher because this guy just is wipeout at the end of the game. Uh, that being said, uh, a lot of uh, cordial niceties with uh, David Stearns, and I think we're <laughs> hanging up on him. All right, this is. I don't think Royce and game. Trevor are going anywhere. Yeah. Okay, Royce and Trevor. All right. So I'll uh, you reach in. What do you got? Pull. Okay. We'll do three instead of three cuts this week. That's what we're going to do. Three, three hangups. All, All right. right so we have, have a chance to acquire Matt Chapman. Ooh, great yes. player. Great player. Great human being. Everybody loves yep. him. The A's have called Billy Beans on the line. Yep. And he says, "I got Matt Chapman for you." Oh, this is another big one. Jordan Balazovic, yeah, Yoan Duran, wow, and Royce Lewis. Oh, okay. <laughs> Jeez, Billy. Billy, how's it going? This is the holiday season. We're <laughs> crying out loud. Jeez, <laughs> you're, you're taking my three of my best players and my dignity. I, yeah, that's uh, a lot. That's yeah, a lot. Right yeah, I'm, I, I'm hoping the pleasantries on the front end were very sincere because I think the backside of this conversation isn't going too well. Uh, that being said, I mean, Matt Chapman, one of the best two-way players in the game right now. Uh, exemplary defender, uh, tremendous middle-of-the-order bat, young player in his prime. Uh, really one of the primary reasons this team has been as formidable as it's been uh, he's kind of a throwback player. He's yeah. a guy who contributes as demonstratively defensively as he does offensively. But uh, I am uh, going to try to do it as diplomatically as I can, but I, I think we lost the connection. Yeah, with we have, uh, going through a tunnel, Billy. <laughs> yep. Going through a tunnel. That's one that, yeah, that's, I mean, that was a heavy, that's a heavy load. Yeah. Boy, you, yeah. oof. All right, last one. And thank you for doing this. This is yeah. fun. This is, we could, we could do, do a whole show of that. All right, I'm going to find a, all right, mine is simple. Alex Kirilov. Uh, and, and mine is actually kind of a little bit contrary to the ones we've been doing. So I'm getting Gavin Lux and Dustin May from the Los Angeles Dodgers. And Gavin Lux and Dustin May may be representative of the packages that you've referenced in the previous two scenarios. They, yes. they are 
probably their foremost position player prospect and maybe also their foremost pitching prospect. Uh, you know, aside from being a ginger, Dustin May is also well, they call him Ginger Guard, right? Because <laughs> yeah, he has the right. long, he had the long Thor-like hair. Yeah, it's I, you know, he's one of the burgeoning starting pitching prospects in the game. That team's tough to break into their mm-hmm. starting rotation, but he may be one of the few who can crack that group uh, and continue to build the championship ways there. And Gavin Lux, I think the industry saw come up at the end of the year. He's going to end up in the middle of the diamond, most likely shortstop or second base. He may grow out of those positions. And Wisconsin kid, right? Yep. And just a tremendous offensive player and a very versatile defender. Uh, in this case, we are giving up Alex Kirilov. I will say this. like I, I think uh, that when you're presented with deals that appear fair, uh, you've got to contemplate them. The, the tack that we have taken so far, uh, and you never say never, is that we view some of our players, Alex is one of those, as we want to just see him succeed or fail in a Minnesota Twins jersey. And so there are just certain players that make it very challenging for you to look at a deal, maybe on the entirety of its merits, as best as we try to do that. When certain names come up, you're really desirous of holding on to them. And so I would commit to the fans, like, we're going to always evaluate every trade, but there are a handful of players who I think we really, really, truly want to see achieve their best with the Minnesota Twins, and I think Alex may fall in that category. That'd be a mutual uh, mutual hang-up. You hang up first. No, you hang up first. Yeah. No, you hang up first. Uh, thanks for playing. I'm yes. gonna, know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you these envelopes. You take these back upstairs. And we could probably and we could you guys could play this play game upstairs. At the fourth floor holiday party. You, gu- you, I guarantee there'd be some debating. There would be some really interesting conversation yeah. starters upstairs with those. Thanks for doing that, by the way. My that, pleasure. That was uh, pleasure. fun. Uh, and again, that was just for fun. We're just throwing some hypotheticals out there. But it's great, as always, that that is willing to be transparent and tell us kind of how people think in, in this role, all of the various factors that go into it. And for that, always, uh, we appreciate it. So Thank your you eloquence and your, your willingness to share. Have a great holiday. Happy holidays, uh, everyone. And, and if, if your board game runs dry, you've got this one uh, to play with the kids. And uh, you guys have a, a great time. We'll see you uh, in 2020, and we'll keep our ears to the ground for any news the next couple of days. Thank you for having me on. Happy holidays to everyone. Appreciate it. That's Thad Levine, Twins General Manager. And we will see you again on New Year's Day, January 1st, 2020, right here on your home for Twins Baseball. You've been listening to the Twins Hot Stove Show, sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer. Locally owned and operated, it's how memories are created and legends are made. This has been a presentation of a Treasure Island Baseball Network. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.